Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, coming live to you from the office on a blustery Monday. Man, it's been a while. We are, uh, that's kind of why I decided to go live today. Didn't get to go live yesterday. I was on the road traveling back and forth, carrying on. Uh, have had a great few days, had a great few weekend, weekends back to back. Um, this last weekend, I was speaking in uh, down near Neosho, Missouri, Racine Christian Church. Had a great event, men's group. Uh, <laughs> got a little live or uh, podcasted on that a little bit. They had a chili cook off. I love chili. I had a young man, and I mean a kid, who produced some of the hottest chili I've ever ate in my life. Um, wow. Yes, it was good. He won his category of extreme heat, and he should have because it was hot. And for me to say it was hot, we all know that it was hot. Anyway, got that all out of the way. I'm back in the office today working on a few things. Uh, actually, we'll be gone again this coming weekend. I'll be with Peterson Outdoor Ministries and, and uh, uh, board members and leaders uh ministry time that we're going to spend together. Um, so anyway, you'll just have to bear with me in all our travels. I want to share with you kind of a follow-up message. Uh, for many of you that follow us on our podcast, maybe it didn't go live, but uh, it was it was one I titled, I Surrender. I'm not exactly sure what day I did that. I, I, I lose track of the, the titles and the days, but it was titled, I Surrender, and I believe it was on Friday. Uh, and it was a very powerful message talking about what it's required of us to surrender. Well, I'm going to kind of carry on with that today um, in a message that I call conscious effort. Surrender must be continuous and it must be a conscious effort on our part. Surrender is a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to the conqueror. When we reach the age when we can make moral choices, we must choose whether to follow our own sinful inclinations or to seek God. God's promises that when we seek Him with all our heart, we will find Him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. But when we find Him, we have a choice to make. Do we continue following our own inclinations or do we surrender to His will? It's not a game. Where once we surrender and the victor takes over, we hit the start over button and we play the game all over again. That, that's not how this works. Uh, it's not like a video game today and our mentality that seems to be stuck in there. Surrender is a continuous choice that we make with our life. We must choose to stay surrendered to the Lord and allow him to lead us and to guide us every moment of every day. We're to pray without ceasing. You hear me say that a lot. We've talked about that a lot. Paul's command in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing can be confusing. Obviously, uh, it can't mean that we're to be in a head bowed, eyes closed position all day long. You hear me say this a lot. If you do that, you're probably going to run into stuff. Not a good idea. Paul's not referring to a nonstop talking, but rather an attitude of God consciousness and God surrender that we carry with us all the time. Every waking moment is to be lived in an awareness that God is with us and that he is actively involved and engaged in our thoughts and actions. It's an, act, it's an activity. It's an action. It's, a, it's an ongoing event. Paul taught much on continual communication with God. In Ephesians 6, 18, he even includes it in the end of his description of spiritual warfare and our armor and the weapons of our warfare. It's a great passage of scripture right there. Uh, verse 18 actually says, praying at all times in the spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. In other words, we're to be we're to be communicating with God. That supplication is is requesting, asking, seeking on someone else's behalf, not necessarily our own. What about taking our thoughts captive? It's another thing. And speaking of our spiritual warfare, Paul says that we take every thought captive and subject all thinking to Christ Jesus. Now, I've talked a lot about taking our thought captives. Now, here are the apostles' words. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do you capture a thought? The simplistic way, what God showed me, is you get something. If a thought comes into your mind, whatever it might be, maybe it's anger, maybe it's depression. Uh, it could be anything. It could be lust. It could be all kinds of things that come into our head and our minds. How do we capture that thought? What God showed me, the easiest thing to do is I get a, a worship song. It's one of my old favorites. It's a hill song, Darlene Check. It's Jesus, lover of my soul. I know it word for word. I won't sing it for you right now. Thank you. But that song, when, when I start thinking things I shouldn't be thinking, when I allow my mind to be overcome with, with thoughts that shouldn't be there, and, and, I, and I consciously make the effort to get this song spinning in my head. I start singing Jesus, lover of my soul, in my mind. I don't have to sing it out loud. I just get the words going in my mind and the tune, and guess what? The next thing you know, I'm no longer thinking about the things I shouldn't be thinking about. I'm thinking about Jesus, lover of my soul. What have I done? I've taken those bad thoughts captive, and I've subjected them to Christ, to his love, his mercy, his grace. It's it's really simplistic. It's not really complicated. But it does take conscious effort to do. The primary point of this section of 2 Corinthians is that we are in spiritual warfare. What leads to that statement that we take every thought captive is important. In verse 3, Paul states that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Those thoughts that creep into our mind are fleshly. They're worldly. We don't wage war in the worldly, in the fleshly. We wage war spiritually. That is, we do not rely on human ingenuity or man-made plans to bring the victory. The flesh is powerless against the wiles of the enemy, the devil. In verse 4, Paul mentions the strongholds or the fortresses that are destroyed by God's power. These strongholds are the philosophies, the arguments, and the proud opinions mentioned in verse 5. We are to constantly be ready. Paul commands Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. 2 Timothy 4.2, and I've done some preaching on this. The whole command is this. I charge you, therefore, remember what that word means, because of this, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word, share the gospel, speak the truth, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. That's 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. The word translated ready comes from the Greek word for stand. The idea is to always be standing by. What does it mean to stand by? You're at the ready. When you're told to stand by, you're at the ready waiting on the moment where they say, now go. Always on duty, ready to go. The word also carried a connotation of urgency in its original language. 
So, so be at the ready. Are you prepared? Be ready to move in a moment's notice. A good example might be a soldier standing at attention, attentive and ready to assist at any moment. Timothy was to be ready in season and out of season, constantly prepared to do whatever God is calling him to do. Again, 2 Timothy 4.2. In the original language, the words for in season and out of season mean timely or untimely. So be ready, whether it's timely or even untimely, whether it's convenient or inconvenient. The word for in season literally means good time and out of season comes from the same word but a different prefix, giving it the opposite meaning, bad time, good time or bad time. That matter the timing, we're to be ready to give the word of God, to preach the gospel, to speak the truth at any given moment, whether the timing's right or not. What about us today? Like Timothy, we are commanded to always be ready for God's work. It's easy to clock in and clock out of our faith. Erroneously believing that we represent God at church, but not anywhere else. That's bad thinking. That, that's terrible thinking. Our life outside the walls of the church are probably more important than they are inside. We need to live his, his word. We need to live his truth. We need to live according to his word boldly and publicly. If not, our image is tarnished. There was not an option for Timothy, and it's not an option for us. If you're a Christian, if you're a, you, then you're one of the chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. It's First Peter two nine, by the way. Whether we're speaking in a crowd or changing a tire, we should be ready in season and out of season to declare His praises and His truth, and watching in the world. You remember me telling you the story about running across the guy with a flat tire. I really didn't want to stop, but I did. Turned into a, a spiritual encounter with him that hopefully made an impact on his life forever. It wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God in me because my flesh, I was headed home. Most of you will remember that story. We're to guard our heart. We're to guard our mind, our soul, and our body. Proverbs 4, 23-26 instructs believers to, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths up for your feet and for the steadfast and be steadfast in all of your ways. The great passage of scripture, Proverbs 4, 23-26. When Solomon refers to guarding the heart, he really means the inner core of a person the soul, the thoughts, the feelings, the desires, the will, and the choices that we make, that's who, who he or she is. It's who we are. The Bible tells us that our thoughts often dictate who we become. The mind of a man reflects who he really is, not simply his actions or words. That is why God examines the heart of a man, not simply his outward appearance and what he appears to be. It's easy to put on a dog and pony show, but God knows our heart. He knows what's inside. He knows, he knows the depths of our spirit. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He's looking at your heart today, the same as he is mine. Avoid anger. Avoid pride and temptation. These are all critical elements of guarding the heart. If you feel yourself getting angry, check yourself. 
Remember, capture those thoughts. The same with pride, the same with temptation. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joint and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Man, that's powerful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. God knows our heart. Our heart must be completely surrendered at all times. It's not a, hey, we'll just do this on Sunday thing. Maybe we'll do it on Wednesday too. It's, it's got to be 7 in, 24-7. We've got to always be surrendered. We have to commit our lives to Christ. I, I can't go back to my old lifestyle. I have to continue to press on. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. But I don't have an option. I know what's behind me. I don't want to go back to that life. I want to continue to pursue whatever it is that God has in front of me. I'm having a ball. I enjoy my life. Yes, I have stresses. Yes, I have bad days. Yes, I have my meltdowns, my fall-aparts, my woe-is-me moments. But I love my life with Christ. I know He's my answer. I know He's the only thing that matters in this world. My relationship with Him, it's got to become yours as well. Full surrender. Lost my place here. Hang on a minute. Get a mindset from the moment you open your eyes in the morning till you close them at night. Think of these things just as Paul mentioned in Philippians 4.8. It takes a constant conscious effort to stay surrendered to the Lord in this world that we live in. We live in, dark, we live in darkness, corruption, chaos. We've got to stay constantly surrendered with a conscious effort to do so. It takes our mindset. It takes us determining to stay surrendered. Lord, I'm not going to let this this world drag me to the left or the right. I'm not going to let my eyes be wandering over here or over there. God, I'm going to put blinders on. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on you. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Just like just like it talks about when, when, when Peter got out of the boat in that, in that storm that night, he was walking on water. The miraculous was right there. But what happened? He took his eyes off Jesus and he sank. And he had to cry out, Lord, save me. He, he did. Jesus was right there to reach out and lift him up. And then the two of them, in my own version, it's not recorded anywhere, the, the two of them, in my version, walked back to the boat together on the water. It was still storming. It, it didn't happen until they got into the boat when Jesus calmed the waves. You think about that for a minute. They walked together in the midst of the storm on the water. But he was with Jesus. His eyes were on Jesus. Whew, that's good stuff right there. Philippians 4, 8, the Apostle Paul instructs us, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Get our minds on those things. Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, we think of these things. We get our mind on these things. Dwelling on these things will help to build a guard fence around our hearts. But listen, the whole point of this, it requires a conscious effort. It requires a conscious effort on our part. God's already ready to do his part. Remember the if you will, I will? whole Bible's full of that. I actually heard T.D. Jakes, uh, or not T.D. Jakes, it was um, uh, it was on uh, uh, TBN. They were, they were talking with... Um, uh, someone, and he's written a new book called If. 
And my immediate mindset went to, if you will, I will. And that's what his premise of his book is based on. God says, if we will do these things, I'll fulfill the promises I have written for you. But, it, but it's up to us. It's our choice. We have to make a conscious effort. We have to make a conscious effort to surrender our heart constantly, daily basis, hour by hour, moment by moment if need be. Keep your life surrendered before the Lord. Keep captive those thoughts. Use the little analogy I gave you. It's not, it's not difficult. And, and if you do it enough times, maybe use a memorized scripture. Maybe use a favorite worship song. Use something spiritual, obviously, because we need to subject it to Christ. Maybe just use a passage of scripture that, you, that you, is your favorite. Maybe something easy to memorize. But when your mind wanders off, capture those thoughts. Stay surrendered to him. It takes a conscious effort. But once we begin to do that on a regular basis, it becomes a natural thing. It becomes a habit. It's a habit for me now. I don't really have to think about capturing thoughts now because it happens almost instantly. My mind is already preset. Stay surrendered. Conscious effort to walk with Christ on a regular basis. Get involved in ministry. Get involved in a local church. Iron sharpening iron. We need each other. We need to fellowship with fellow believers, fellow followers, because we, we sharpen each other. They need you as much as I need you. Understand the principle? Conscious effort. Thank you for your support. Thank you for following along with our, our ministry. Uh, thank you for praying for Ron and I. We, we are constantly moving about, constantly in the midst of things. Uh, we appreciate more than you know all of those who are friends with us, who message us, who text us from time to time, praying over us, speaking positive things over us. We need them because we walk in the same corrupt world you do. And we battle day and night. I battle constantly with the messages that come forth. I battle technical difficulties. I battle all kinds of stuff. I battle illness, sickness, headaches, tiredness, whatever it may be. The enemy doesn't want me here. And he won't want you there either. So we have to stay connected. We stay connected to the vine. I heard a beautiful song yesterday. Uh, I went to church with friends in Missouri. We were at Christ Church Ornogo. And, and there's a song out there called Abide. Uh, by dwell worship or something like that. Wow. 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 I'll be sharing that link soon. Stay tuned for that because it is a such a powerful song. We are to abide in him. Conscious effort to stay connected to the vine. Conscious effort to stay surrendered to Jesus Christ. Picking up our cross daily. Sacrificing ourself, our will for his. It's what he did for us. Amen. Ron and I love you. God bless you. We will talk to you again real soon.